All right, so today I just thought I would share some real talk and just discuss a few ideas that have been bouncing around for me recently. And I'd also like to give a bit of a personal update and just talk about myself for a little bit. <laughs> so this is a relaxed conversation. This is not the conversation for you if you're in a hurry, because I do feel the take my time. And of course, today, well, we're joined by Bebop the teddy bear. So say hello, Bebop. He can sit just here to keep us company. So today's big idea, or the thing that I wanted to explore was this thing of the urge to disappear. And this is an impulse that comes at a certain stage of life, at a certain stage of awareness, at a certain stage of doing things or things that you've done with your life and a certain stage of just thinking things through on a deeper level. And when I think about this, I realize you really do have to understand the powerful personality, the iconic personality, right? <laughs> and there's so many examples of this, right? This is something that goes throughout all of the human experience and the human phenomenon and just sort of <laughs> to pick a few examples well it's a bit hard to choose because there's so many there's so many people that I admire there's so many people that I look up to there's so many people that I look at and I see their life and I just think wow that's incredible it's the most amazing thing what you are doing what a trip you must be on. And, well, when I put it like that, <laughs> it seems a bit tricky to know, well, who exactly are we talking about and who exactly is it that you want to say that about? And that's exactly it, because who you admire says something about your state or condition or where you're at in life how things are for you, what you're involved in, what you've been thinking about, and what really resonates with you, who really resonates with you. So when I think of a powerful personality, I think of someone like Hikaru Nakamura. And Nakamura is a chess player, world-class chess player, who is just in a whole other league, right? Now in chess... You have chess players as hobbyists, and every field has hobbyists. And then there's professional chess players that play in competitions and actually compete competitive chess. And then there's like international masters. They're the chess players that play full time. Now, even beyond international masters, there's grandmasters. And the grandmaster level, the grandmaster title, which is something you have to actually work through and work at and is actually awarded to you, sort of like getting a PhD, but even though you could actually argue that being a grandmaster is more difficult than having a PhD. And to be a grandmaster, you realize you're in the top, like, 1%. It's less than 1%. I'm pretty sure it's even a fraction that's less than a tenth of a percent. So it's a percent of a percent. And that's to be a grandmaster. And then beyond that, there is the super grandmaster, right? Someone who is just top 10, top 20 in the world. Someone like a Ding Liren or a Magnus Carlsen. 
And Hikaru Nakamura is in that category, right? He's had huge competitions. He's won world championships. He's played for decades across many competitions in many countries all over the world. And really, Nakamura sort of has something else, right? Because he's not just good at chess. He's a personality. He's a larger-than-life person, right? And you might have seen, if you're a chess fan, he does these streaming things where he's playing chess online, right? And he'll play, like, eight hours straight, and he'll win, like, 600 games and lose maybe two or three games out of 600. And while he's doing that, he's sort of, you know chatting about the stock market and politics and, you know, sharing his opinion on things and cracking jokes and reading the chat with his fans. And you get this sense of just like this, this, like this force, right? It's this huge force that someone can be that good, that strong, that powerful. It's, it's like, wow, your life is on a whole nother level. Your vibe, your thing is, it, well, it's unspeakable, right? And that's what I mean by the powerful personality. That's what I mean by the person that is larger than life. The person that when you encounter them, in an instant, you realize they're some sort of celebrity. And I guess, well, celebrity culture does come into this, right? <laughs> Celebrity culture plays on this. And another example that comes to mind is, well, the bodybuilder, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So in the classic documentary, Pumping Iron, which features Arnold Schwarzenegger, he has this thing where he says he's thought about people who can do things that last longer than them, right? And he says he even thinks about Jesus, he thinks about a political leader or a religious leader and he thinks how much larger than life they can be. And Schwarzenegger has something which is similar to the Nakamura thing, right? The moment you encounter him, the moment you get in touch with just a little bit about what's going on for him in his life, you just think, wow, it's this massive thing, right? Seven times Mr. Universe he was. The bodybuilding championship across so many competitions. And in that documentary, you can sense he's got this presence. He's got this act, right? He's got this way of speaking to people, this way of seeing the world, this way of explaining things, this way of performing, right? Performance is big in a powerful personality. And Schwarzenegger's done so many things. You know, he's done the movies, not just the bodybuilding, but he's done the movies, he's done the politics, he's done the investing, he's done the, the, the business, right? He had his own gyms, his own franchising, all sorts of things. It's this huge thing, right? This huge, iconic, cultural phenomenon. And when you sort of get that, you think, okay, well, what's going on with this culture? What's going on with this thing? Because you think, okay, well, what about me? What about my life? Look at what I'm doing. I'm nothing compared to that. I'm no one, right? <laughs> Us common peasants, we sort of walk around our general society, our general life, and we think, okay, well, we've got our job. We've got our hobbies. We've got the places that we go, the house, the local shops, the little sort of local adventures that we do. We might do an overseas trip here and there every now and then. And we've got some goals and aspirations. We've got some creativity. We've got some skills. We've got some things that we hope for, things that we want, right? And we think, okay, well, that's us. And society really does hold this in a certain way. It holds it as this constant thing. It's, it's, it's present when you meet someone new. It's present when you talk to someone. It's present when you have a friend or a colleague or an interaction or any sort of self-assessment that's in relation to the society and the culture that we're in. And it's really quite, it's quite tricky because it can be degrading. It can be 
this kind of rabbit hole of thinking, oh, poor old me. We can become very easily convinced that what we are is what this world around us is telling us that we are. And in so many ways, the culture is intertwined with these powerful personalities, celebrities like Nakamura or Schwarzenegger. And this is where the urge to disappear comes in. And this is something I want to unpack. I want us to take our time to really understand this with this image of the powerful personality in mind. Because when you really look at yourself, when you really sit down and you really think it through and you do this checklist of, okay, what have I got in my life? And you go, okay, I've got my job, my goals, my aspirations. I need to work hard to achieve what I want to do in life. Then that layer somehow peels away. When you contemplate it, when you look at the mechanics of it, and you really go into what is going on, that layer peels away and under that is something else. Under that, you get into the deeper level of living. When you start to do that, you discover things like, well, what have I got? I've got perception. I've got the ability to have insight. I've got the ability to really see things more clearly. Now, of course, along with that is the opposite, right? I've also got the ability <laughs> to be unaware, to be unperceptive, to not perceive things. I've also got the ability to be self-destructive and have my addictions and have my impulsive behaviors. I've got my ability to not have insight, to not learn about myself, to not have a wisdom, right? And that back and forth is something that you discover on this lower level, this deeper level of living. And it's when you go into that and you really start to explore it because it's a whole world, right? It's a whole thing with all its own dynamics, its own metrics, its own ways of trickery, its own things that you have to work out, these own this, this, this knack that you have to get for it in order to go into that space and to learn to go deeper. And to really swim in that, it's a little bit chaotic. It's a little bit confusing. It's a bit like, well, can I even do this? Can I even believe in myself? So self-belief and this want to really go to a deeper level does take a different kind of shift in your direction. Because if you're living on one level of life, and I, I know it's like, it's, it's not really, I mean, to talk about levels of life, it's sort of like, it, it's a tricky one. Because there are levels of depth. There are levels of where you're at. And that is just one way of looking at it. It's just one way of talking about it because... In some ways, these powerful personalities are incredible things, right? They are to be celebrated. A Schwarzenegger or a Nakamura or whoever else it is that you admire, right? There's no need to undermine <laughs> what they're saying and what they're doing and what they've lived and what they've experienced, right? You can, you can sort of develop this thing of like, oh, well, they might be so successful and celebrity have that celebrity power, but are they conscious, right? That's a, that's a thought that can enter your mind. Say, well, well, I'm more conscious. And you can sort of get this uh, sort, of, sort of like a spiritual ego or so, a sort of spiritual high horse, <laughs> right? And that can just be this thing of, well, no, really, you're just a peasant. No, really, you're just, <laughs> you're not working hard enough on your goals and your dreams and getting your life on track. But in another way, there is a deeper level, right? There is a comparison to make because not all cultural phenomenons are the same. Not all celebrities are the same. And what it comes down to is awareness. 
What it comes down to is the ability to perceive. The ability to see. Not just the things that aren't apparent, but also what's right in front of your face. The the ability to hear what is being said to you. That is something that really, truly has a profound qualitative difference in different people, in each of us. Now, there is another sort of powerful personality that we can sort of help to further illustrate this point of, well, what is it that's deeper living? What is it that's life on a deeper level? And this would be someone like a Socrates, someone like a Zarathustra or a Sriabundu or a or a Magababa, right? Socrates, if you read what Plato wrote about him, or you just read about Socrates, you can get this sense, right? It's it's not it's not something you can put your finger directly on. It's 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 a sense, it's a feeling. Like this man had something extraordinarily powerful. He had something within him that was undeniable, something that was just just so deep that it was that, that it's shattering, right? It just it just explodes within you. And that's a feeling which is sort of parallel to the Schwarzenegger, right? The Schwarzenegger or the Nakamura, right? You're listening to this person, you're getting a sense of this person, whether it's through their talks or what's written about them, and then you're getting this feeling, right? And that, that resonance, that feeling indicates for something truly profound. Now, of course, the factor is you. The factor is what impression it is making upon you. The words of Socrates as they come and land on you, as they are said through the mouth of a philosopher or a commentary or whoever, or whether it's in a story, right? Even if it's in a fictional story or a sort of a mythic kind of story, which we can put Socrates into. However, by the means of which it's coming to you, the factor is you. It's landing on you, right? Because it always lands on your ears. There are no words that exist unto your perspective that haven't come to you via your ears, (laughs) right? There's no sight that you've seen without your own eyes. And that's the factor that draws you to your own awareness, to your own self. And when you go deep into that, the things like, oh, the job that you have, the place that you live, the places that you go, your own desires, your own goals, your hopes, all of that seems so shallow. All of that seems to fade away. It just, it just crumbles. And what's left is a taste of that power that Socrates had. You get it. And when you get it, oh my God, it's just like, yes, I've tapped into what Socrates had. I've got a little bit of it and I've got it for myself. It's here. It's real to me. I've got that power. I need to go deeper. If only I could get more of it, (laughs) right? And that becomes its own game, right? Another way of, or that's actually a very good way of looking at this, right? What are you chasing in life? Are you chasing success? Are you chasing money? Are you chasing that celebrity vibe, that celebrity dream? (laughs) Or are you chasing something much deeper? And of course, the mechanics of chasing something or desiring something, as it's so often put, is the exact mechanic that you discover for yourself. That's the thing that turns in on itself. And when you get it, when you really go into that and you have a sense of it, you really tap into it for yourself and it's in your being, it's in your core, it's in your heart, then it's just like 
oh, it's something else, right? You think, I mean, there's no thought that goes with it, really. Now, with that in mind, and with all that explained, we can get to my core point, which is the urge to disappear. Because this thing of the powerful personality in mainstream culture really comes down to how do I get more? How do I get more for myself? How do I live bigger? How do I live more powerfully? Even if that's more spiritually, even if that's on a deeper level. And the other side of that is, well, how do I get less? Because you realize this whole thing of moreness, of bigness, it has a limit. And if you turn that around and you say, okay, well, how do I actually remove things? Well, then (laughs) that's when you get to the point of how do I be nothing? And that is the urge to disappear. And this is is a point on the spiritual path, right? This is a well-trodden point. It's happened by anyone who walks this path, anyone who's come across this. You know, I've met people who have reached this point. I've met people who have expressed, well, I want to disappear. What does that mean? Well, I don't want to have the thoughts I have. I don't want to have the feelings that I have. I don't want to have the perspective that I have. I'm not even fond of the perceptions that I have, right? Having doesn't really mean much. And there are people that I've met who have walked that and gone really deep into that. And if you looked at them on the surface, if you looked at their life, it would be like they are just this common peasant, right? (laughs) They they just have a, a, a basic job, They have a a, a basic house, a basic place to live, basic routine, you know, nothing fancy about their diet or their finances or anything like that, right? You you see their surface level life and and it's just like, you know, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? (laughs) Get your life together, (laughs) right? But of course, the resonance within you, your ability to see something on a deeper level is what's stopping you from seeing their true richness, their true power. Because these people, and I say, well, these people, because it's not just that living in a basic house and having a basic job is any indication of your <laughs> level of consciousness, it is that, well, these people have something that is beyond words. And they've got that way by removing things, by actually going into this urge to disappear. Right? They don't have ventures. They don't have goals. They don't have aspirations. They don't have these big dreams or these big schemes or these big projects or these long-term plans or compounding investments, whether that's financial or even physical or health-wise or anything like that, right? They have none of that. And they don't even educate themselves, right? It's not even a matter of intellectual accumulation, Because this whole thing of cultural reference, reading more books, reading more history, reading more psychology, reading more concepts of mind, perspective, society, culture, right? All of that is just another accumulation. It's another buildup of stuff. And of course, I've loved, (laughs) I've loved talking about complex ideas in the past. I love discussing these models of psychology and philosophy and religion and spirituality. But I realize that, well, that can only go so far. That can only do so much. That is, well, in me, 
the urge to disappear. And another example, of course, that is sort of coming to my mind now is, well, Osho, right? And he was a man that did amazing things. He had his celebrity status. He had his life as a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> and he was a brilliant intellectual, read thousands of books, tens of thousands of books, and spoke on thousands of subjects. But what's often said about Osho, and if you go to his resort and you see one of the memoriams, you might see a quote that says something like, well, Osho was never here. He was really nothing, right? Never born, never lived, never died. That's sort of the, the classic phrase that's said about Osho. And when you realize that he was nothing, you realize that he didn't actually live in the way that any of us really live. You realize that that's a depth that is so profound. That's a depth that is so far beyond anything that you and I, us common peasants, <laughs> can understand. And in another way of looking at this, it is really coming down to, well, we're all our own individual people, right? <laughs> we are just personalities to celebrate unto ourselves. And that's something that you realize when you open up to new relationships and you actually relate to people on a deeper level. You start to love people for who they are. You think, oh, that guy's got this. That guy or girl is doing this. And you start to admire them, not for the sort of job that they have or the sort of house that they live in, but just the, the sense that's within them, the, the spirit, the, the soul, the, the ability to have their own insights, to discover things for themselves, to realize and learn and to be creative to have their own sort of expansion, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's, it's, so, it's so elusive as to what it is, as to why we actually start to love people. And really, when you love someone, you're sort of beyond reasons for loving them. When you, when you really love someone, it's, it's just like, I just love them. I just love that guy. I just love that guy. It's just like, wow. It's just the feeling. There's no explanation for it. So that's a little bit about some of the ideas that have been bouncing around for me recently. Now, with those ideas in mind, I'd like to sort of turn the conversation a bit towards myself and to just give a bit of a personal update. So <laughs> that's the end of today's big idea. But you might say, well, I guess today's big idea is related to my own sort of personal update. And I guess in a nutshell, what I want to say is I'm taking a break from speaking publicly like this on this channel. So you won't see any more episodes for quite some time. And really, really, there's not much to say about it. I mean, it's just that I need a break. And it's not for lack of ideas. It's not for lack of creativity. <laughs> because, of course, I've got a, an abundance of creativity, which is, in fact, the problem, right? Because it's sort of like wherever I channel my creativity, it opens up. And I, and I do have to choose what I channel it into. So 
if I put my energies into this, into talking like this on this camera, then that will compound and become bigger and better and keep going and I'll be able to focus and turn that into something, right? I, I sort of look at this as something, well, I could turn it into something. But then I also look at, you know, my graffiti and my painting and I work on that for some time. I sort of go through phases of working on that and I look at my my graffiti and I think, wow, there's something there. That's, you know, some of that is actually pretty good. There's some pretty interesting ideas in that. And if I keep working at that, then that, that could turn into something. And then I also look at my music and I think, okay, if I work on that and I put energies into that, you know, there's, there's some real skill there. There's some real openings, right? If I, if I follow that process, then I get ideas and things open up and it's like, like, damn, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which one is it going to be? Because there's only so much time that I have. There's only so much energy that I have. And this is part of, this is part of the whole thing of, well, what do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to take it? And this sense of there's so much to do. Well, this comes to the motivation of making the most for yourself, becoming bigger, becoming more powerful, which of course ties back into what we were saying before, because another thing is, well, I can put more energy into meditation and awareness techniques and consciousness. And if I put energy into that, it's like, wow, there's something there. There's something truly powerful. Now, there is something qualitatively important about what you choose to put your energies into. Graffiti is not the same as music. There are consequences, pros and cons to each of those, right? Graffiti, I've found, has had quite a, quite a negative effect on my health and my lifestyle in many ways. So it's quite hard to see. It, it, it's harder to see the positives in graffiti than it is in music for me. And with talking like this, with expressing ideas and doing psychology and discussing things publicly like this. Well, it's hard to see the positives in that as well sometimes, <laughs> right? I mean, my original intention or my, my sort of side idea is if I discuss these things publicly and we actually work on something together and I get a little bit of a following and then some people do a course and they enroll in a course, you know, because I've got courses online where you can learn developmental psychology or breathing techniques or qigong or lucid dreaming, time travel, these sorts of things. You know, I've got a whole range of courses. And if a couple of people enroll in that, then I can get a bit of an income and then, well, something's happening, right? And it's working. But <laughs> with the way it's been... I still really don't know if anyone's listening to this. I still don't know if I have an audience at all, right? And that's just a matter of statistics because if you think about it like, okay, so say I do a talk like this and it gets 10 views. Well, that might be that 10 people have clicked on it and listened to the first 10 seconds and then gone away and not heard any of it. So basically, no one's listening. There's no audience. And if you think, well, okay, so say a talk has a thousand views. Say one of these videos or these talks has a thousand views. Then you would think, okay, probably at least 10 people have listened to it. Or maybe somewhere between 10 and 100, depending on your strike rate, right? Just depending on your statistics. And it's like, okay, well then you probably do have at least someone listening. But then say, okay, you have 50,000 views and then you have 50,000 views on every talk that you do, every video that you do. Okay, well, that's like you've got a bit of a following. There's at least some people that are always listening all of the time. You have a following. And then when you get to the point where it's like, okay, a million views per video or per talk, okay, now you definitely have a view. 
you have a, a viewership or a, an audience, right? Because out of a million views, there's definitely going to be someone who's listening all the way through and they're a regular following. Now, of course, I'm nowhere near that. There's no statistic that I have that is anything close to any of that. I'm still at the point where it's like, is, is anyone out there at all? I don't know. And really, really, I don't know unless someone comments. Even with statistics about, you know, view duration and how many views you have, I really don't know unless someone comments. So that's, that's part of it because, you know, you hear all the time public speakers and content creators and intellectuals and all the rest of it. They'll say something like, well, it's all about the fans. It's all about the followers. It's all about you guys. It's all about the audience. And you sort of think, okay, yeah, you're just saying that, you know, look at your success. You're just saying that because you want, you know, for whatever reason. But as a content creator, as someone who's a public speaker, <laughs> I know exactly what that means. I know exactly what's that, what that is like. Because it is all about the connection with your audience. It is all about, well, who's listening? Who's out there? And... <laughs> It gets even worse because it might not even be that no one's listening. It might be that a whole bunch of people are listening and they, they hate you, <laughs> right? It, it's like to have no one listening is not even the worst case scenario <laughs> because there are people who have this, this listening audience and they send them nasty comments, right? They give you this terrible experience. It's this very negative thing. It's this thing that encroaches on your personal life. And, you know, a, a powerful personality like PewDiePie, who's the king of YouTube, right? He's like a modern day sort of speaker or a modern day celebrity personality. Who, who's another one of these people like Schwarzenegger or... Nakamura, right? The moment you sense them, you sense how big they are. You can sometimes get this thing of like, well, who are you really? What, what is really going on? What do you really feel? And you can get a sense that there's this thing of, well, you know, PewDiePie does want to be able to just go out to the shops and not have people always coming up to him. <laughs> and he's even taking steps to sort of, you know, manage that, right? He does just want to go on a holiday and just to be no one, right? This, this is the urge to be no one, the urge to disappear, to just be a common peasant and to just live a peaceful life. Damn, I just want a peaceful life. And part of me sort of thinks, you know, oh, I'm so glad that none of my videos have really taken off because... You know, it means none of it's been noticed. I can go back to being <laughs> sort of no one and to just relax and to sort of sort of think, you know, some of the stuff I said like, uh, oh, did I really say that? It's like, oh, did I really share that about myself? It's like, you know, <laughs> you sort of think I'm glad no one's heard it. <laughs> right? So that's what it's like, a little bit of my experience of, you know, a public speaker and someone who has tried this game of creating content and creating videos and sharing ideas, sharing personal stories and sharing insights and making things, well, in that game, right? That world of public speaking, that world of YouTube or podcasts or or whatever platform, right? It's all it's all the same game, whatever it is. And really, I'm at the point where I've had enough. I've had enough for a time, right? And I want to leave it on a po positive note. It has been, you know, it has been fun. There's been beautiful moments. There's been in incredible expressions, you know, like there's been just glorious glorious moments of sharing and love and and beauty that you know i i really just am filled with so much gratitude for but it's time to move on i mean i've i've quit before right i was doing podcasts for a couple of years and then i stopped 
for a year or two and and to think that <laughs> in in the time that I stopped doing this, in the time that I stopped public speaking, that was the most profound time of my life. That was the time that had the most beauty, the most incredible expansions, the most incredible learnings about life and myself and how it how it all works and what's going on, right? And to think that, well, that's what I'm doing again, right? That's what the next thing is for me. And in many ways, all, all of what I'm sharing with you, all of this stuff that we talk about on this channel, it, it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just, it's just the lowdown, right? It's just the summary. It's the reader's digest. <laughs> It's the Reader's Digest of what the real stuff is, the real juice of life. And the real juice of life is, is awareness. It's perception. It's looking at a leaf. It's being in nature. It's talking with people, right? Talking with people on a podcast is so juicy because it emulates a real life connection with someone and I do see the the shallowness of having the camera on of having the microphone on of being in the public eye and and even a podcast you know to take you know the king of podcasting Joe Rogan even in that there's something very shallow is something very, very much like it's missing that deeper level. Even when he's talking to someone like Sadhguru, right? Joe Rogan spoke with Sadhguru. So you would think, wow, enlightened master, public speaker, the king of podcasting, that should be the most glorious moment of two humans be two human beings coming together and yet it was seriously lacking right human connection here here's what human connection is not human connection is not i talk about myself and i say what i think and then while you're in the same room you talk about yourself and what you think that's not connection. That's just two radios playing at the same time. There's two songs playing at the same time. Human connection is also not, I say what I say, and then you respond to it. And you say what you say, and then I respond to it. And we go back and forth. That's a debate. That's arguing. That's discussion. That's back and forth. That's not human connection. Neither of those two things is human connection. Human connection, true human connection, is when two people sit down and they first establish, well, where are we at with our awareness? And we discuss, okay, where's the edge? Where's the point? Where's the real thing that is going to maximize our chances of an explosion in consciousness? And that's exactly the sort of thing that Socrates would do, right? You know, there's this famous story of Socrates when he'd, he'd been sentenced to death and... He's in his prison cell, right, the night before he's sentenced to death. And he's talking with his friends. His friends had broken into the prison. And the guy who's preparing the poison for him to die, the hemlock, has come to him and said, you know, mate, you shouldn't talk too much because then the poison's going to have a certain painful effect on you. 
And Socrates basically says, doesn't matter. I don't care about the pain. I don't care about the process. This is our last night together. We are going to talk. And of course, that's just like a comic book sketch of the power that Socrates had, right? It's an indication of what it meant for him to be with his people, with the people that he loved and how juicy it was, right? Can you imagine, just imagine the juice, the the vibrancy of being in that prison cell with Socrates, knowing that it was his last life, right? That that fire, that power, that it, it is just, oh, right? That resonance, it, it's like that's awareness. That's human connection. That's a real conversation. Now, it's very rare for a podcast. <laughs> it's very, very rare for a podcast or a video like this to sort of emulate that because, first of all, very few people are aware of these sort of dynamics, right? This is deep level consciousness stuff. It's not common stuff that people are aware of. Most stuff is monkey chatter. Most stuff is just chimpanzees throwing stuff at each other. And that's not to say that there's not you know, juicy moments. I mean, if you're in an intellectual space, podcasting is is great for listening to podcasts, listening to talks is great for that space. But you realize after a while, there's there's only so far you can take it, right? If you're listening to this, you listen to a lot of talks and you have to realize there's only so far you can take it. There's a point where you're going to have to turn this off. And I don't mean turn this off as in stop listening to one of my episodes and go and listen to someone else's episodes. I mean, turn it off. I mean, turn off the internet altogether. No more videos, no more talks. Meditate. Take your life to the next level. Go deeper into yourself. And stop relating to people through a screen right? Through this camera. And that's really another big reason as to why I am not going to be doing this for some time. And I'm not going to say never, you know, never is never. Never say never, as they say. You know, I've, I've quit before and maybe I'll come back again. And who knows, it might not even be that long because like I release, I, re- I record these episodes often six months in advance. So I'm going to record this, upload it. It'll be about six months of me not even doing any before I even actually stop releasing these videos. So if I have another six months after that, I'll have a year off. And then, you know, it's only six months of a break. But who knows? I mean, I've got a lot of things I want to do. But to sort of get back to this previous point, which is important, which I want to get into. This thing of Socrates speaking with his friends, knowing it's the last night he has with them. There's something in that that you can get when you speak with another person. That intensity of listening to someone else, of relating to someone else, to having a conversation, that's available to anyone. Just like the awareness that Socrates had is available to you as well, right? These are in some ways one and the same thing. (laughs) But it does take practice. It does take actually sitting down with someone. And I mean being in the same room as someone. I mean actually breathing the same air, not relating through a screen, not relating through a camera. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to talk to people when you're sitting at the same table as them. You're going to have to talk to people when you're in the same place as them. Physically, this thing of relating through screens is only going to take us so far. It's only going to take us so far. Now, to sort of give some real solid action points for you. And to just make this clear, first point, of course, is turn off the screen. 
get off the internet. And that's part of my point for taking a break. You know, I'm taking a break from speaking publicly and I really am going to look at long-term taking a full move away from the internet altogether, right? Because I haven't just got this channel here where I'm talking. I've also got the channel where I'm making music, right? I've got my music channel, I've got my graffiti channel, and I've got some other channels as well. And even not just creating, but also consuming, right? Getting away from movies, getting away from talks, getting away from all sorts of things. So first point, first action point, make a turn away from the internet. Now, second point, second action point for you is sort of contradictory to... (laughs) contradictory to the first point, but needs to be said nonetheless, do one of my courses. So go ahead, enroll in one of my courses, whether it's the psychology course, the time travel course. I'm also creating a course on perception, right? That's the Doster method. That's designed to bring you into an alignment with your sense of sight, your sense of thought, your sense of smell, your sense of direction, right? There's all sorts of senses in the world of perception. And the DOSTA method is designed for you to osciliate between multiple points so that you can expand that, so that you can wake up through that. So that one's coming. That might not be out by the time you hear this, but by the time you hear it, it might be out. So that's another course. And I've got other courses as well. So enroll in one of my courses. There will be a link somewhere in this talk that you can follow to discover those courses. Educate yourself. If you're consuming things from the internet, at least make it educational. At least make it something that's directed towards deeper awareness. That's very important. Now, third point, take care of your personal routine. Have that down pat, your diet, your sleeping, your exercise, lift weights every day, meditate every day, take care of your bad habits, don't drink alcohol, don't smoke cigarettes, don't watch porn, don't drink coffee, right? The the list goes on. Everyone, Everyone comes through life with a number of things that are demons to them and they're different for some people. All right, everyone has different things. For some people, alcohol is a real problem. If alcohol is a problem for you, don't do it. Don't drink alcohol. Just just quit forever, for life. And whenever the chance to drink comes up, you have to say, no, I can't do that because I have a problem with it. Now, other things you can do. Some people don't have a problem with alcohol. They can have one drink. They can have two drinks. They can even get drunk every now and then. Nothing wrong with it. You don't have a problem with alcohol, don't make alcohol the thing that you don't do. But take care of your addictions. Take care of your bad habits. That's the fourth point. So first point, just to review, I need to make sure I'm getting this right. I need to make it clear for myself as well. First point, move away from the internet. Second point, do one of my courses. Third point was... (laughs) (laughs) get your personal routine right. Now, fourth point. Let me just change the camera because I'm running out of time on this. Now, fourth point. This is your action point. Go to the International Meditation Resort in Pune, India. Go to the Osho... Osho's International Meditation Resort in India. At some point in your life, go there. Now, I have a, I have a series on this, which is called What Happened in India. So it's a 10-part series, something like 10 hours long. And you can listen to all the stories that I share about some of my experiences at that meditation resort. And of course, Many of the consciousness techniques, the meditation techniques, the philosophical ideas, many of the things that we talk about here are inspired by and in relation to Osho and his teachings. And at some point in your life, just just go there. Just go there. Set up your life so that you can go there. 
Go there for at least a month and go there with the intention of being fully involved, right? Do the program, do dynamic meditation every day, do the morning classes, do some of the courses. And really, if you can set yourself up so that you can (laughs) actually go there for a long time, well, then that's really good, right? And this sort of ties back nicely to my original point, which is the urge to disappear, right? When I went there, when I went to India for the first time, I made sure that every single thing in my life was finished, right? I went to India with nothing. I had no job, no girlfriend, no place to live, no hobbies, right? I said, I'm not doing music, I'm not doing painting, I'm not doing talking, I'm not doing videos, I'm not doing teaching, none of that. Everything is finished, it's done, it's over. And luckily, I had saved up enough money to say, okay, I'm just going to do this. And that was so powerful, right? The power power of the urge to disappear, (laughs) right? That's what it all comes back to. And of course, what I discovered was something so much deeper, right? So whatever job you're in, you have to quit your job. Now, when the time is right, Quit your job. Don't make it at the wrong time, right? There is a time and a place for everything. You do need to have your finances set. You do need to actually make a plan, right? These are big life gestures. You can't just do them at the drop of a hat. Think about it. Take the time to say, okay, I'm going to go to the international, the Osho International Meditation Resort in Pune, and I'm going to go there I'm just going to be there. Now, being in that environment, being in that pressure cooker, just being there is, is, is enough to have things happen for you. And really, really in so many ways, that's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is that you go to the Osho International Meditation Resort. And <laughs> it, it brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it, right? Because I'm, I'm going to go back there and I, I hope to see you. <laughs> I would love to see you there. And when, when I see you there, we're not going to be talking like this. We're not going to be talking on this stupid camera. We're going to go to the cafe and we're going to have some chai and a chocolate croissant. <laughs> and then we're going to go dancing and I'll play you a set. I'm going to be the DJ at the Buddha Grove dance celebration. (laughs) And you are going to explode with the tracks I'm going to spin for you. Whoa. Oh, it's... (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, whoo. It's too much to even say. It's too much to even say. So those are like my my few action points. Get off the internet. Do one of my online courses. Get your routine right. Get your personal life right and optimized 100%. And go to the Osho International Meditation Resort in Pune. I'll meet you there. It will be just too much to bear. (laughs) Do one of the courses. Do something like Mystic Rose. Do something like No Mind. Do something like Born Again. I don't want to get too much into it. You can discover more about it. If you're listening to the sort of things we talk about on this channel, then you're sympathetic to these ideas, right? You have to really take it to the next step. And this is this is the next step, right? If you're listening to this now, if you've listened to my episodes, this is the next step. This is the next action point. And really, you're going to have to think about, well, how do I take away certain things in my life? There's, there's certain things in my life that I have to sort of allow to fizzle and burn. This sense of your job, your job is not so precious, right? In some ways, I've got a job now. It's a very basic job. It's a very, uh, it's a very low life kind of job. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm definitely one of the the lowest of the low common peasants, <laughs> right? And in some ways that's easy because to quit, it's like, well, you're not giving up much. Now, of course, the other thing is, well, it's good to have an income. It's good to have some money. So there's always that hook there. And, you know, to, to sort of share a little bit more, I have had some really rough times over the last 12 months, right? There have been some really, really bad moments. Like I've had, I've had personal issues. I've had health issues. I've had... Uh, quite a painful and yeah I don't want to say too much about it but I, I had some quite hurtful health problems which have really set me back a lot and I'm still I'm still recovering from that that I'm still still got quite a way to go with some of those so yeah I don't want to say too much about that because I want to leave it on a positive point I want to leave it on a positive note so, yeah, I guess, you know, with those four points in mind and the illustrations that we've done of Hikaru Nakamura and Arnold Schwarzenegger, PewDiePie and, of course, Socrates and Osho on a deeper level, then, yeah, I guess, well, that's pretty much all I want to say. <laughs> So thank you for listening along. I don't know when I will be back. I don't know if I will be back public speaking like this. Maybe I won't. Maybe this is the end. Maybe this is all I need to say. You know, I've said a lot and you really do at some point need to just take it for yourself, which is, which is, <laughs> is my dream for you, for you to discover your own your own glory, because it is there, right? It's, it's there just behind the surface of your eyes. It's just there. And more people need it. Believe me, we all need it. So thank you. And leave me a comment if you've listened to this. <laughs> Because I don't really know if anyone's listening. I guess I'm just having a yarn to myself at this stage and to Bebop. So, Bebop, is there anything you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to say? Yeah? You want to do that? Okay. <laughs> Bebop says he'd like to hear some music for the end. So let's listen to some music because, well, because that's all it really comes down to music. Take the juicer, I guess.